Yeah, it is indeed. And uh, 24 minutes now it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to a Metro FM talk here on the Mighty Metro. Send us your voice notes there on uh, some of your thoughts. Of course, uh, yeah, I was quite flippant in my comment, but uh, it still stands nonetheless. I mean, uh, uh, the Oppenheimer family uh, in the d- disinvestment uh, from, uh, I guess, uh, direct stakes in uh, De Beers and Anglo-American, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, might have... Um, you know, ended uh, over a century relationship uh, with South Africa, but uh, it certainly doesn't, I guess, you know, uh, erase the fact of uh, the uh, massive, uh, how do I put it, you know, massive role of mining in designing South Africa as we understand it, in uh, the use of space, migrant labor, and uh, many of the things that I was talking about. So even that 8 billion, uh, yeah, the sweat and, of course, I guess, uh, uh, the uh, efforts and uh, the labor of uh, many of, uh, you know, our parents, grandparents, and uh, even ourselves in some cases is embedded in some of that value. But you might have a different view and say, well, you know, this is how uh, things work. This is uh, how the game works uh, in the world of global capitalism. You know, you, you're able to create this value, extract it, and uh, take it to places where you're going to get favorable treaties. What do you make of that? Um, or am I just, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, uh, making a big deal about a storm in a teacup, as uh, Amangesi often say? would love to hear from you. Send us your uh, voice notes there on uh, WhatsApp, 079-191-4270, 079-191-4270. Also want to hear from you. If you uh, are in any way connected to the University of South Africa and uh, as a student uh, engaged in distance learning, talk to us about your own experiences and whether or not these chime up uh, to what we've heard in that ministerial review, uh, which we're going to be talking about in the next few minutes or so. And uh, it was called for by Dr. Bladen Zamande to probe uh, mismanagement and financial impropriety at UNISA and uh, uh, certainly had a high-powered panel there, including the likes of uh, Dr. John Volmink, uh, Nungulle Kokoboto, uh, uh, you know, Professor Brenda Gurley, and uh, many others uh, who uh, certainly uh, gave a scathing account of uh, what they found in that particular undertaking. Do share with us some of your own experiences uh, because, um, yeah... I don't know if UNISA, but uh, it certainly is a massive institution. And as many people have said, uh, yeah, uh, primarily, I guess, uh, too big to fail. Do let us know some of your thoughts. You can reach us on our studio line as well on 089-110-3377. 19 minutes it is before 8 p.m. We go straight into the headlines. The University of South Africa says it has noted with serious concern reports in the print and social media uh, that purport that the sale of qualifications and uh, is something that is done. And uh, these reports also question the quality of scholarship and research at the university. Uh, and uh, the UNISA has said uh, that uh, these reports are intentionally misleading, malicious and inaccurate. I'm joined by uh, the uh, spokesperson of the University of South Africa, and that is Victor Zlamini. Victor Zlamini, good evening and welcome. Thank you, Ayapang. Thank you very much for joining us. I want us to maybe cover two uh, things. The first, I guess, is uh, the reports that we saw over the weekend. And uh, as an institution, you've uh, responded to these. And then also, I guess, you know, these are linked in in some shape or form uh, by the broader strategy of UNISA. And uh, I guess uh, some of what it is alleged is in that ministerial report, which hasn't been made public yet. So let's start with what happened on the weekend. Um, Just as an institution, I mean, uh, to see uh, yourselves, I guess... um, uh, you know, 
reflected in the way that uh, uh, that article suggested. Um, I mean, talk to us about, I guess, your own reaction to that and uh, some of the elements in uh, the statement here that uh, you made, which uh, were you saying that, you know, university actually has a, one of the biggest research communities, biggest set of research hubs, um, and of course, I guess, uh, your own rebuttal of what that uh, article suggested was, you know, the sale of qualifications and an entire conveyor belt and factory of qualifications. Well, you know, I don't think the, there's anywhere in the article that it says uh, qualifications are being sold. Uh, you you can read it again. Nowhere does it say that. But the important thing is that it suggests that there are some qualifications that are being given away. And the, the writer of the article is a journalist called uh, Prager Govender for the Sunday Times. And he quotes someone called Nick Clute, who uh, is at the University of Stellenbosch. Mm. And um, he, so Nick Clute says that, you know, uh, UNESA used to be a national asset, and now um, it, it, it's become a qualification mm. factory where, but Victor, Victor. where where degrees are given yes. to yes. Uh, dissatisfied students. If, Victor, if, if if degrees, according to that article, by implication it is suggested, are being given out without any due effort and people are paying fees, by implication there's a sale um, in that no, sense. No, 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 not really, Ayabong. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I think the perhaps the person that you should have uh, on the show is is is, is Nick Lute himself who can then uh, perhaps explain um really back up okay. the claim uh, so, that, so that, that that is that's making. fine that's fine because i think i think victor let's not uh, go on uh, you know uh, a rabbit hole around nick's claim uh, i think because i think there's two elements to his claim the one is that you know perceptively and qualitatively the quality of these uh, you know qualifications in his view are you know is i guess not up to scratch and then there's the dissatisfaction of the students uh, and we can have the debate around what is implied i guess well we we are not having a debate mm. we are having a conversation okay, sure. i i you invited me to your show to have a conversation okay. with you so if if you would have if you'll give me the time because you've you've asked me to come on your show yes, so i suppose you may want to listen to what I have to say. Yes, Is that Victor. okay? Go ahead, please. Yeah. So um, I don't think that uh, the, uh, you know, the, the the qualifications are going to be decided by Nick and his friends. The qualifications um, in in South Africa, uh, both for UNESA and other universities, um, it's the Council for Higher Education, as well as um, in in terms of the South African Qualifications Authority, they uh, they, they they are the ones that um, look at the qualifications, and at no point have they raised any concerns mm. about the qualifications uh, that UNISA issues, and and certainly um, all the students that study at UNISA they apply, which we and 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 to apply they have to have certain criteria that mm. they meet. And once they meet that criteria that are admitted, they sit for exams. And once they've set for those exams, they, they, they either earn a qualification or they don't earn it. And, you know, the, the qualifications are fine, which is, which is why, um, you know, employers all over South Africa, 
as well as uh, other universities, use them as a basis for admission to graduate and postgraduate programs. And and I think it's just a spurious allegation without any backing that has been put in a newspaper. Mm, mm. You also suggest that comparisons are very difficult to come by uh, because universities differ in size, mission, research and complexities and, of course, the numbers. I mean, what, what does that mean for yourselves as a distance learning institution? How do you compare yourself and uh, with whom do you benchmark yourselves? Well, you know, the... So, so obviously, um, there are various degrees that are, as, as well as um, certificates that are issued in, in, in various sectors, whether it's the arts, uh, it's commerce, it's the sciences, uh, it's healthcare, and all that. You know, so if if, if you look at uh, commerce, for example, um, it's SICA, uh, the South African Institute of, of Chartered Accountants. They are the they are the ones who, when someone studied a degree in accounting, they they will then give them that that that, that tag of uh, CA South Africa. So if it's project management, it's project management South Africa, you know, and engineering and so on. So I think the the quality assurance comes from a number of checks and balances. You know, universities issue the mm. qualification, and then before someone can join those professional bodies. And none of those professional bodies have ever uh, given any disclaimers against our degrees. So I think the the my sense is that you know what what someone like Nick has done is um, he's he's made a very large claim without backing it, and and obviously it, it it's grossly unfair on 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 the hundreds of thousands mm. of uh, mm. students who hold um, qualifications from UNESA or that are currently pursuing studies because they are really taught by some of the finest faculty in South Africa and they work quite hard uh, to, to to end these degrees. And I think one of the things that has happened, obviously, in the last 18 months mm. with, um, with, with COVID is that a lot of institutions have, in fact, followed UNISA's uh, model of um, an online model so the online distance and what 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 UNISA has also done is to pivot towards towards e-learning, which is obviously means that you know people are now less and less going to 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 physical buildings mm. for as long as the pandemic goes, and 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 and, and UNISA has in, introduced um, a technological feature called called the Invigilator app, which is in any case. Um, supports the honesty pledge from our own students because mm. you know they, they 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 have to ensure that in 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 writing the exams even within a distance environment that they are they they, they are as ethical as possible in doing this mm. so so, so there are a number one, of Victor, checks and balances that, no? No, no, just we, a quick which one. are given by ourselves and the professional sure, sure. body no no i think the quality assurance point is well made not only just in terms of the you know, uh, qualifications themselves, but even the industry bodies uh, uh, that would be relevant for whatever qualification is in question. I'm just quite interested, I guess, in in in, in uh, this notion of pivoting now to uh, you know e-learning. Uh, I mean, would people be unfair to have had an expectation that Unisa would already have pioneered and had first mover advantage in this uh, long before the onset of the hard lockdown? You know, in March 2020. Uh, when you've been a distance learning and remote learning institution for a very long period, uh, uh, what, what would people be unfair in that expectation? Well, you know, I I, I think the, the, the 
a, a lot of the tools that we are finding that we are using, um, you know, in, 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 in terms of technology, the, the availability of data, the, the cost of it, mm. and, and, and the kind of um, general infrastructure um, has, 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 has only really recently become available to the extent that it is affordable. Because I think one of the things that you, you will recognize, Ayabonga, is that in the past, say even 10 years ago, mm. the bulk majority of UNISA students were people that had day jobs and studied to improve their lives through mm. education. Mm. What has happened, uh, because UNISA is, is an affordable university, increasingly the bulk of our students are actually full-time students. They don't have a job that they do. Mm. So things like the cost of data is quite important sure. to them, Victor? as well as the, 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 the laptops and all that. Yeah, so Victor, let's do this. Sorry, man. I've got I, an advert coming up. Victor, Victor, sorry. Sorry yes. to do this. We've got an ad coming up. So I want That's us to fine. pause okay. for a second. We'll take the spot break, and when we come back, you'll complete that point. Thanks, Alabang. Six minutes it is before 8 p.m. It's our headlines here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, this evening we take a look at uh, some of the uh, yeah, assertions, uh, uh, aspersions I should rather say, I guess cast against the University of South Africa and uh, the reports around uh, some of these. But also I guess uh, uh, all of this coming in a context. Uh, where the uh, Department of Higher Education and Trainings, uh, uh, or I should rather say, I guess the uh, Minister uh, uh, of um, uh, Higher Education, Science and Innovation, uh, Dr. Blaine Zamande, uh, commissioning a, a probe into uh, uh, some issues at the University of South Africa. And I'm in conversation with a spokesperson uh, of, at UNISA, Victor Zamini. Uh, Victor, let me give you an opportunity to co- conclude your response. Uh, and I think you make a very important point that even the composition of your student base has changed somewhat. There's a much larger number of people who are studying full-time, uh, notwithstanding, of course, uh, studying via distance or even remote learning. Please continue. Yeah, well, I think, Ayabonga, the, the point that we we're really exploring is, you know, sh- should it be expected that uh, UNISA should, should, should be the, the leader, as it were, in, in e-learning? And I think in many ways it, it has first mover advantage because it, 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 it has mastered the, the distance learning where it's um, obviously exploring very much like all the other universities. How do you, mm. how do you supply sustainable data where, um, in, in, in an environment where you know, we, we know the limits on NSFAS mm. um, grants and all that? So, Students often complain that they run out of data sure. and all that. And I think that somewhere along the line, ICASA and the others have to come in and say, because mm. the providers do give a bunch of data that is free. So that that's important. The, the other thing is, and I think you, you, you've seen the amount of time that people spend either on, on, on apps, um, the social media apps and all that, and, 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 and so the, the, there is the question of equitable access to data, which is something that UNISA mm. cannot solve on its own. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting, this, this point of data, and I, and I think you're right, it is a critical enabler of any advance in e-learning uh, because yes. that then becomes the mechanism not just of, you know, any support be it through tutorials, but even, I guess, uh, um, sharing of, you know, uh, uh, a course material, uh, and all of the other forms of support, consultations and the like. But but I'm also quite, you know, uh, um, I guess, you know, interested in uh, 
a lot of what was happening even prior to the onset of COVID-19. I mean, I remember a few years ago, there was an issue at the post office that had a massive implication on yourselves because a lot of the study material was still being sent uh, in a physical fashion. And I'm quite interested in, in whether or not you've managed to strike up partnerships with other public service agencies that would be accessible to many communities across the length and breadth of the country, irrespective of whether there's wireless connectivity in those places. I'm thinking of SASA offices, post offices, and others who at least already would have assisted you to make sure that material is sent via soft copy and all of these small advances that I think would have positioned the country well. I mean, uh, I think it's a, you know, yeah. it, it's a lost opportunity, and I think that's the point I'm trying to make. So as we talk tonight, uh, the VC, Professor Lenkabula, is hosting a dinner uh, with business leaders at UNESA. And, and part of it is to look at partnership to support uh, students uh, to, you know, you know, whether it's uh, through sponsorships, um, whether it's, it's through placements or whatever, because even as you talk about the post office, it is not what it was five years ago. You know, the, the number of, 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 of post office, particularly in rural areas, has decreased. So there is pressure everywhere, but we are because we are even using to deliver some of the materials. We we and we we are using even couriers, and unfortunately those are more expensive. But but I I I I do think that in many ways um, one of the problems is we often have first world expectations, and yet the infrastructure. Has, has been taking a lot of strain, mm. particularly for, 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 for the students who come from rural, deeply rural areas where it's very difficult to even rely on something like postnet to postnet mm. delivery. But, 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 but these, these, these are things that, that do affect the, the quality of their experience. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, there are some improvements that need to take place there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I raise all of these things, uh, Victor, and I know, you know, you've indicated uh, certainly to many of the media queries more broadly that you're not in the habit of communicating with uh, the relevant ministry via the papers. But um, I say this because there's a lot of uh, reports that have come out uh, saying they have access to this uh, ministerially commissioned report. And a big part of that is around this question of investments or even, you know, in a future-looking perspective now, investments in ICT infrastructure. Um, and, and, and I'm, you know, sitting here asking myself whether or not, you know, uh, all of that is reliant on the enabling infrastructure being out there first or whether there's hybrid approaches that could potentially be done. I mean, I think if we can get grants to even some of the more far-flung parts of our country, um, it's, um, I mean, it surely shouldn't be too difficult, you know, to make sure that we get some form of communication capability or even some of the self-same study materials through the same platforms. Why, why are we not taking a whole-of-government approach here? Well, I think one of the things that's really interesting is, so let, let's just go very quickly to something like COVID. So what does COVID do? It means, especially when you are at level four and five, and three in some instances that mm. libraries or the study centers are not open. So that, that may not seem like a great deal when you're saying, but you are using connectivity. But what happens to those students uh, that come from homes where no they, space, they, yeah. they, there isn't that guarantee of a home in the way that we understand yes, it, no, sure. where, where there isn't privacy to study, 
where you find four or five people stay mm. in a in a really confined space. So so there are issues of uh, of social justice that 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 come in. I think the the, the closure of some of of libraries and all that has had a tremendously negative mm, effect no, sure. on 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 students and. And, and 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 at the same time, um, you know, it's 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 very difficult to just give them unlimited mm. uh, amounts of data. But mm. it is true that something has to give in terms of the, the their access to the resources that they need. But what, what what as we've pivoted towards the online environment exclusively, tutorial support and counselling mm. using online tools has been something that uh, has been. Has, has has been prioritized, but clearly you often have the tension between the technical aspect, which is the IT, and then mm. the teaching. So, so to t- kind of try and strike a, a balance where you 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 do not make it tech heavy, but mm. you make it easy for students so. to 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 just log on and and have um, a totally intuitive e-learning environment mm. that they can in- interact with UNISA. But we all know that there are often pressure points where the system crashes sure, and all that. Sure. And, 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 and I think part of what we have to do is to expand the system mm. and to do that costs money. Okay. And, 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 and you have to go to government and say, mm. I need more to do this as the infrastructure moves from one way you were delivering materials through, through the post office to, to one now where you are relying on on, on bandwidth and, mm. and, and, and the speed of data that's yeah. been delivered. I like the point you made, uh, not just in relation to the budgets, which is your latter point, but the earlier point you were making around the closure of libraries during COVID-19 certainly has had a massive impact on some of the outcomes you want to achieve, higher throughput, making sure that your students uh, get a good learning experience and that they pass. Um, and if it's such a critical enabler of your own outcomes, how is that finding expression in, in your strategy? If we accept that you know, COVID is but one of many other crises that we might have to deal with that might make access even to physical spaces for learning uh, or, or even self-study like a library uh, inaccessible. How is that featuring, I guess, in some of your own forward-looking plans and your own strategies? Uh, which okay. are being criticized so, in this so, so I think I think one of the things that UNISA has done, is, it's a priority area, is what we call open distance e-learning order, so mm. to refine that model. But I think we also have to realize that one of the challenges, I is that for, for most of us, schooling and post-school education was completed or conducted through contact or what we call face-to-face learning. So my son, for example, is studying uh, at UNISA doing accounting. And I ask him, I'm like, how is it going? It's like it's tough just being on your own, learning on your own. So we forget the element of camaraderie, mm. of, 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 of sharing, of peer-to-peer uh, exchanges of experiences, frustrations and all that. So, so it, is, it is quite a, a tough ask. And I think those students who, who qualify through the solitary uh, distance learning, whether it's through e-learning or through the post, they really do have an incredible resilience because they, they, they are determined to say, you know what, I want to get this qualification and I'm going to do it. And, and, and I think we should, we, we should recognize that they, they, they are made of proper mm-hmm. standards because sure, sure. in the end, they, they, they have to find 
innovative ways of saying how how do I negotiate the space given that where I come from. Mm. You know, of course, after a year, many of them have 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 forgotten what it was like to have that face to face. But I think at the beginning, it, it's really hard. But but remember, Victor, my question was. If there's a codependence between yourselves and library services at a local level or across the board within government, how in your strategy are you dealing with that? Uh, and it might be a basic thing that says you sign an MOU with a COCTA, for instance, which yeah. uh, runs the municipalities or Salga or whomever, right? But I just want to understand, certainly in, in the strategic thinking at UNISA, how you are thinking about, because, you know, these crises are going to be either recurring or are going to manifest themselves in different ways that might yeah. make access where there's no Wi-Fi to just a library as a space for self-study without contact learning. Very, very yeah. difficult to access. How are we thinking about resolving this in a future-looking way now? Um, and, and okay, not necessarily so, going so, so obviously, in, in, like if you look at a time like with digital-only mm. format of learning, but to be able to to be given tutorial support as well as counseling uh, w- 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 when there's some pressure. But th- 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 those, th- those partnerships that you talk about are very important to us. And, um, you know, in, 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 in the various regions, you, you, you will find that, mm. you know, there, there, there are many bookshops and others that double up as not just bookshops, but where people can come and actually study. Mm. I think you will have seen in Johannesburg things like a, a UNISA bookshop, and, and many of them are are not just a place where they sell books, but the students can actually sit there and study. Mm. So so we recognize the importance sure. of that. Okay, Victor, thank you very much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Ayabong. Victor Dlamini speaks on behalf of the University of South Africa.